Welcome back to another episode of the Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I'm one of your hosts this week, Seth Binoff, and this week's show is going to be jam-packed with our recap of the Colorado Springs match from last weekend and, of course, our preview of the matches this week, both of which are against Real Monarchs SLC. This is, of course, episode number 11 of our show, and we are incredibly grateful to everyone who has downloaded and supported the show week in and week out. Uh, our subscriber base does keep growing, and it's all thanks to you guys hanging out and listening to the show and downloading it and sharing it with everyone else. Really, really appreciate you guys doing that. Um, and part of that growth is, of course, we're doing the show now live on Twitch each and every week. That's our goal anyway. Um, and so we've done this is what, second week, third week we've done this third, now? Third and week, so third Third week we've been doing this now. So we want to open the show up to you guys who are New Mexico United supporters and really anyone else within the USL community to come by, be a part of the chat, be a part of the show. Uh, as we go through, we're going to read through the comments. We're going to take your questions, comments. We'll talk to New Mexico United. We're going to talk USL. And, you know, we just want to give you guys a chance to be a part of the discussion as we're recording it instead of, you know, because sometimes it's kind of funky, you know, Jacob, to go back after the show and try to interact with people after it's already gone live. Yeah. So I think you, know, you and I talked about off air, you know, having this instant feedback, this instant discussion with folks is really a great, I think is a great thing to end, to interject into our show. So, Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm Jacob, by the way, if it's your first time listening. Um, and uh, the, the video element of it is definitely, definitely added to it. And hopefully that continues to grow and we can uh, um, get some feedback live on there and that'll be good. Yeah, so you know, normally I'd say you know before I bring Jacob in, we've already brought Jacob in, and um, but before we get into our, our discussion proper, you know, we do uh, want to tell you guys uh, or remind you guys of our written content. Uh, you guys, of course, know that Jacob and I do our written previews and recaps over at dadventuresmedia.com. That is, of course, our website where we do New Mexico United content. We also have a blog where we talk about our lives as dads. Uh, you know, Jacob and I are both very busy, so unfortunately the blog has not been updated lately. We are working on that. I promise you guys that we are doing that. And then, of course, we do have a little bit of video game coverage. That is, of course, something that we are going to be working at and trying to improve the amount of content that we're getting out to you guys on a more regular basis. So, um now that we've got all of that out of the way, uh, of course, you've, got, you've already heard him. Jacob, my friend, my partner, my co-host. Uh, we're going to bring him into the show, Jacob Terrell. Jacob, you know, we were talking before the show a little bit about our weeks. Um, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting week. I know you mentioned to me that you had some, an update on your dog. Uh, so it, it, would you like to share with, uh, share with our listeners tonight? Yeah, he dislocated his hip here a while back, and they popped it back in. Thought they could just sling it up and have it be okay, but unfortunately, Monday... Um, we took him back, they x-rayed him again and it was back out. So he's, we opted for surgery this time. So next week he's got to go in and actually have surgery done. Um, he'll be down for quite a while. So other than that though, um, United won, um, everything else is going good. So can't complain whatsoever. Yeah, that's definitely a positive from our weekend. Um, sorry to hear about the dog. I mean, the surgery is never fun, especially when it comes to a pet uh, or a human, either way. But uh, with a pet, it's definitely something that takes a toll on both uh, both owners and the pets themselves. Because you know, especially with something like a hip, it's it's hard for the dog to then get around. I think for a few weeks at least, if yeah, not longer. It'll be it'll be a while. Yeah, that's rough. It's because then you have to do. 
you know, you have to do extra to make sure the dog gets out and around. And, and, uh, I don't know how long they'll actually, how long the vet might, might've given you guys as far as the time frame, as far as recovery or when they can actually, when your dog can actually start doing stuff again. Yeah. My, my mom has been the one that's taken him to the appointments since I started working. So I haven't been able to get the info on that. So when we pick him up the day of the surgery, I'll be there though and, and be able to get the scoop. All right. Well, he'll definitely have to uh, keep us in the loop on that. Let us know how things go with, with the dog. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be hoping and, hoping and praying that uh, everything turns out all right for the dog. So Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right. So I mean, anything else exciting happening in your week? I know, you know we're gonna, obviously we're going to talk United. Uh, we both have excitement. Uh, you know, we're excited about that. But uh, anything else interesting happen for you guys? No, no, that's pretty much it. Just started working, like I mentioned on last week's pod, and that's been going good. And um, other than that, sports has been uh, – it, it, sports are back. I think we can officially say that. Probably could have officially said it here a while back. But, uh, you know, we got baseball going. We got basketball playoffs started. We got MLS is back tournament that just happened, and now the MLS regular season is back. Um, Champions League is going on. United's back. Uh, everything's back kind of in full swing. And uh, pretty soon, Premier League will be back and Bundesliga will be back and it'll, it'll all be going again. So uh, that's that's the exciting part for me. Yeah, I mean, we're, what, four weeks away now from Premier League starting off again and then uh, NFL is not going to be too much farther behind that. So, mm-hmm. Or I think they're right around the same time. I don't remember the exact NFL start date, but... Uh, yeah, two major sports leagues are going to be kicking off here pretty soon. I mean, the NBA tournament's getting, you know, I think they're what, in the quarterfinals or they're about to start the uh, the quarterfinals, I believe. Oh, they just started the, oh, they started the first round. Okay, um, first round. Yeah, it started it Monday. I, I'm not a huge follower of the NBA, so you can, <laughs> you can probably tell that, uh, uh, especially not, you know, with the Hawks not in it, I don't really pay, not really paying a whole lot of attention to it. So yeah. maybe once the semis roll around, I'll, I'll start watching. Yeah, everything's everything's going good. What about you? Anything new and exciting on your end? Uh, not terribly. I mean, Erin started a new job this week. My Erin is, of course, my wife. Um, yeah, she started a new job. She's working. Uh, at, she's no longer at private practice. She's working at one of the hot area hospitals now, and so very different work schedule for her. So we're adjusting to that again. She's working uh, three twelve-hour shifts instead of a traditional, you know. Uh, five day work week, you know, it, it's been a change. And so she's gone in the morning, typically by, by the time the kids get up and are ready for breakfast. And especially with school starting, it's going to be really interesting as far as that goes. Um, right. And then Aaron, does, she doesn't get home until right after bedtime. So usually the, the kids are uh, hanging out or well, just falling asleep by the time she gets home. And so it, it's rough, you know, especially on our youngest who hasn't quite adapted to that yet. But mm. I mean, this is only her second full week at the job. So, yeah, it's a, it's an adjustment. And, yeah, of course, school starting. I know you don't have to deal with that yet. But, yeah, school is officially back in for all three of my kids to start as of tomorrow. So three kids, three schedules from three different schools. It's going to be interesting for the next uh, at least a month or so. We actually did. Um, we went today and got my oldest registered for Head Start. So um, there are they're thinking here in Fort Sumner, at least that the, those kids will start coming in person after Labor Day. So my youngest might start school here pretty soon, actually. 
Yeah, I know there's supposed to be a big vote tonight from the school board as to whether or not they were going to still do after Labor Day or if they're going to push it until after the first semester. I've been trying to find out what's happened with that. So if anybody in chat knows what's happened with the APS Board of Education vote tonight, please let me know. Uh, let us know. We would love to find out what's happened with that. Um, Jacob, you mentioned Champions League. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on the results? I said you get to catch either either of them. The uh, so I haven't been able, meltdown. I haven't been able to watch any of them live, um, but I have gone back and watched these extended highlights that Champions League and NBC does for regular season Premier League games and stuff. It's like most of them are between like ten and fifteen minutes. And they show a bunch, so I I, I like it because you kind of get a feel of of uh, how the match actually played out instead of just okay. There's there was three goals here, the goals, and that's it. Um, and I tell you what, man, that that uh, Byron Barcelona game, it, even the well with the extended highlights, I'm sure it felt I'm sure it pretty much felt like this if you actually watched the match too. But every time I look down, you know. Byron was right there. They that score could have easily been twelve. I mean, it was it was bad. <laughs> it, it was real bad. But uh, what's nice coming in as a new soccer fan, uh, I don't really have a dog in the fight. Um, so it's it's nice to just watch it and go, wow, Byron is is playing really fun soccer to watch right now, and not have to be. I, like if that was it, if heaven forbid that was like Phoenix rising going against us, you know, <laughs> I'd be pissed and just wouldn't be able to watch it and would be throwing stuff at the TV. But since it's Barca and Byron and I don't have a dog in the fight, I can just sit back and enjoy, enjoy what I'm watching. So it, it's been fun. And I didn't catch uh, the match today. I, I saw the highlights for it though, but PSG kind of took it to RB Leipzig and then, uh, that Leon match with uh, uh, Man City last week, that was kind of a shocker. So uh, I, I I'm still learning. I I didn't I couldn't I couldn't have told you what league PSG and Leon were in uh, three days ago. So uh, I'm still learning some stuff over there in European soccer, but it's fun to watch nonetheless. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch, especially these uh, last few uh, matches here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Barca just completely melted down against Bayern. I, I was actually streaming on uh, streaming a game the other night. I was playing, so I think I was playing Control the other night, and a guy came in. We were talking about it, and he said that he didn't think that uh, Bayern had a shot because he was a huge Bayern fan. I said, you know what? I, Bayern's got a real good squad. I really think they could they could show people something in this match here, and sure, I mean I didn't expect an eight two scoreline obviously, but um, you know Barca's honestly I, I feel like Barca's on the downslope. I could be wrong. I mean Messi's getting old. I mean a lot of the players are getting older, and so they've got I think they have always too much money tied up in guys like Messi to really bring in anybody else. So it'll be interesting to see. And I know they did, they're most likely going to announce uh, Ronald Koeman as their new manager. Uh, my thoughts on that, Barca, stay far, far away from Ronald Koeman. Uh, former Everton man, uh, stay far, far away from Ronald Koeman. I, I can't stress that enough. So, See, I don't I don't have any of the backstory there, but I, I do listen to a lot of, of soccer podcasts, um, about Premier League and MLS and 
just European football in general. So, so I have heard a lot about Barca's fall from grace lately. And, but I just, my own eye test, I haven't watched Barca much, but I watched a lot of Byron over when Bundesliga started back up when they were the only thing going on. Um, and that is, that is a top notch team right there. That is, that is one of the funnest teams to watch right now. I watched them and Dortmund, uh, when was that? Like, two weeks before the regular season ended for Bundesliga or before the season ended for Bundesliga. And that was a very, very exciting. Those two teams were, those two teams have been the top two teams that I've seen a lot of anyways. I've watched a little bit of Liverpool and I know that they uh, ran away with the Premier League and Man City plays good football, but Byron, and at this point in Champions League, having watched, uh, having been more tuned into it lately, I got to feel like they're the favorites. I mean, they just got to get past Leon and then PSG sitting there waiting for them. So uh, I feel like that'd be, I want, I want to see that. I would, I love, I mean, as an American sports fan, uh, who doesn't love a Cinderella story? So if Leon could kind of find a way to get past him and face PSG, then um, it'd be kind of exciting. Uh, they are in the same league. So we see that, uh, before but um everybody loves a cinderella story but at the same time byron just plays beautiful football so hoping to see that matchup cinderellas are great especially when 16 upsets number one don't really see it too often i mean I, yeah i don't think leon is going to get much too, too much farther uh, i think this is going to be end of their run but i, I think it's ultimately going to be like a byron psg final um but the one thing about the format for due to COVID not having the legs and just having one match to move on, yeah. it it creates these situations where, uh, like, I mean, I don't know for sure, but there's a chance that Man City plays that game entirely different and ends up with a draw or maybe only loses by one, and then the second leg comes along and they take care of them 3-0 and move on pretty easily. So... With this one match, winner take all, winner move on, winner go home, whatever you want to call it, it's it opens it up to stuff like that happening. So you never know. Yeah, that's the great thing about sports. It's just you know, any given day, anything can happen. You know, we've seen that time and time again. You know, I mean, not too long ago, we saw. I mean, we see baseball teams come back from you know eight, nine, ten runs down. Uh, unless, of course, you're playing against Fernando Tatis Jr., in which case you're gonna get mad if he gets a home run on a three zero count. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, Grand Slam on a 3-0 count while you're already down by 6-7. I mean, which is honestly, to me, that's kind of stupid. But um, Don't throw him a ball that he can hit a home run. <laughs> right? Three. I mean, okay, even if you're up, even if you're behind in the count 3-0, why throw something that easy, I mean, that, that hittable of a pitch? Why? Base, I love baseball. Baseball's been my sport for as long as I can remember. That's been the sport that I love playing the most. Uh, it was a sport that I was the best at. It was the sport that um, I watched more of than anything else um, in my formative years. But there are some stupid, stupid, unwritten rules of baseball that I cannot stand. So, <laughs> but this is not a baseball podcast. This is a, a soccer podcast. More specifically, it's a New Mexico United podcast. So, Let's let's. 
I could talk about baseball for a while. So let's move on. We absolutely could. I mean, you and I both could talk baseball for for hours on end, and uh, maybe someday we'll get around doing a baseball baseball podcast. But uh, yeah, we have to man. We have to. We've got to maintain the two that we have already first before we do that. Exactly. All right. So yeah, like I said, let's jump right into it. Our USL and New Mexico United news and notes uh, from this week. Uh, first thing I had um, was the big news from the USL. USL signed an international broadcast and a domestic XM radio broadcast deal uh, that was just announced. Um, so the, it looks like the way this is going to work, USL has signed a deal with uh, uh, Sirius XM and Caribbean broadcaster Flow Sports. And that is, of course, the first international television deal for the USL. Um, uh, the, this article here from frontofficesports.com, uh, it reads that SiriusXM is now adding a USL Game of the Week to the 24-7 soccer channel SiriusXM FC. Uh, I don't know if you spent any time listening to that. I spent a fair amount of time while I had a, a free trial um of xm <laughs> yeah we got it we, so we yeah short story we bought a car before the covid hit we got a free trial of sirius xm i basically left it on sirius xm fc a lot, a lot of good content over there really really fun to listen to nice. and so yeah so game of the week will be broadcast across both the u.s and canada and it will be the exclusive satellite radio home for usl championship and league one and will air both league finals for the next two seasons Nice. Um, yeah, so I mean that in itself is a huge deal for for USL. Uh, Sirius XMFC. I don't know if we. I mean, I can try to find out what their listenership is. I don't know if that's actually listed anywhere. But for what basically amounts to an international radio deal for minimum one game a week plus the championship and League One finals for the next two years. I mean that can bring in a whole new audience for the USL. And maybe even you know start seeing supporters pop up you know in different areas for uh, various different clubs. So that in itself is huge. And then the the Flow Sports deal, Flow Sports, uh, according to Flo, again FrontOfficeSports.com, reaches into approximately six hundred thousand homes across twenty two countries in the Caribbean. And so we know that the Caribbean has been a hotbed for USL uh, uh, talent. Mm-hmm. You know, in the past few years, and is a, is a growing area of interest for the USL. So I think, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but to me, both of these deals are just absolutely incredible for the USL and just expanding the reach that the league has, and ex- the, the amount of exposure that the league's going to get from being in these new areas. Yeah, I mean that that's that pretty much says it all. There, it's it's um, any time that a smaller league like this can continue to show positive growth um both locally nationally and internationally um it's going to be a good thing and i I like that they're not jumping into too big a deals too fast and trying to expand too much too quickly and and overreach their means but uh they're doing it the right way seemingly they they bring in a couple new teams every year um eventually you know We've heard Jake Edwards talk about pro reg, uh, at least in the USL leagues um, and stuff like that. So I think that um, everything, even through COVID, even with all this panic about everything, uh, it seems to be trending in a positive direction where uh, USL is going to continue to be the the standard for multiple tier leagues in America for a long time now. 
Yeah, I think honestly, with all the issues that we've seen with MLS and USSF, USL as a standalone entity is by and large, in my opinion, surpassing what MLS is doing to help grow the sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we heard that, you know, uh, some of the USL clubs are shutting down their academies, um, which is a, a real you know detriment to the uh, U.S. soccer system. I mean, not that there really is one. Um, and so, yeah, it just, uh, it's just, like I said, again, it's just a huge deal for, for USL. Uh, Court Jeske, the USL executive vice president, said uh, in this article that the deal is worth low seven figures to the USL. That's the TV rights deal. And that, but there was no um, uh, financial information as far as the Sirius XM deal. Uh, he goes on to say, we have two focal points. One is to go deeper with our domestic partner ESPN and the ESPN Plus platform. That is where our younger digitally native fans are consuming our matches. We're working hard to understand their mindset delivery product to serve them. The second is to continue to grow our distribution internationally and ensure the global soccer community continually recognizes that the USL is a league on the rise. We are open for business globally for players, coaches, and fans. So like you said, you know, it's just one of those things that they're, they're doing the right thing. And we've got a comment here in the chat. Wooden Sport says it's all about the money. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, for, for a league like the USL, we know that the, the ESPN Plus deal was not tremendously financially lucrative. For the USL, it's anyway, somewhere they were like one to four million dollars for that the league as a whole is getting. So, I mean, even with this, you got to figure ESPN Plus has a much wider reach than Flow Sports. Yeah. But for the amount of compensation that the league is going to get for 600,000 homes, you know, for basically the next two years, I mean, it doesn't mention like how many matches or anything like that are going to be shown over uh, on Flow Sports. But I mean, that's a huge, huge range of of influence for the, for the league. Yeah. And it's, it is about the money, but, uh, that's what we need to continue to have USL soccer. So, um, it's like you said, the ESPN plus, uh, the ESPN deal, ESPN plus deal, um, getting as many matches on ESPN and ESPN deport this and ESPN two as we can. Um, that's, that's for the eyeballs that's for the eyeballs and the exposure. Uh, and it sounds like these other two deals while also getting great exposure are definitely going to help on the financial front. So, um, it, it just makes sense, man. And and I, I hope to see on a local level, uh, more broadcast games on KOAT. Uh, I know that there were some issues with it. We had a weather delay, the basketball game before us ran long a little bit, um, which you're going to run into, but, but it was still on Channel 7 for the majority of New Mexicans uh, to at least catch a little bit of. So things like that just need to continue to happen. And and uh, it sounds like USL is going to continue to try to grow and push things and and continue to be let it be known that they're, they're here for the long haul. I wanted to ask you about the match on Saturday. Given the broadcast being on both ESPN plus and KOAT seven, which one did you watch ESPN plus? Um, but that's just because I, I, we have a fire stick and that's all we have. Mm -hmm. And it's already easy for me to load up my ESPN plus subscription on the ESPN app on there. 
and get it on the TV. Easy peasy. So, um, but it was from my understanding, um, I, I still got to listen to Tyler and Chris and still got the local ads, um, during the match anyways, the, you know, the corner kicks were sponsored by this and yellow cars just provided by this. We still, I still heard all that. So it was, it was basically the same broadcast. Um, I just watched it on a different, um, outlet or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I was excited to watch it on KOAT seven. Cause again, it's not something that we've gotten many opportunities to do given the ESPN plus deal and the fact that we haven't really had a local television deal right. for the club. So I turned it on and of course, you know, the NBA game was on and I told my wife, I said, you know, I really hate the end of the, I hate the end of basketball games because of what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, the last two minutes took like 15 minutes. Yep. And so at the, at the bottom of the KOET screen, like it was saying that it would join the match in progress. I said, okay, yeah, that makes sense, you know, that, that they would do that. And so I pulled up ESPN Plus on my phone. I had my laptop set up because, of, of course, you know, we, you and I both write about the matches. And I was watching, the, and then when the NBA coverage was finally done, it cut over to the ES. It, it was, of course, the ESPN Plus. Like, they basically just restarted the live stream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's kind of a bummer. But it, from like from a from a media perspective, from a coverage perspective, it allowed me to like because normally what happens is that I watch the game and then I watch it a second time, and so I was able to you know keep an eye on my phone to see what was happening in real time. I could make notes about it mm-hmm. and then watch it up on the big screen <laughs> and go back and you know flesh out my flesh out my article around it. But I mean, yeah, I mean there were a few issues there. It, it basically looked like they were they basically just threw up the ESPN Plus live stream. And like you could see it kind of like buffering at the beginning a little bit, mm. um, and yeah, I mean, can't can't um, can't plan for the weather delay. Uh, the match did move over to, move over to Australia TV after that. I didn't flip over to that, but I did, of course, stick with the ESPN Plus coverage. And of course, you know, shout out to our guy, to our our friends, Tyler Ortega, Chris Hurst, he did a fantastic job on the call. I mean, it's great to hear them for. I think it was the first time this season. Yeah. Um, so great to hear them, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I think it was a, it's a big deal for the club to be on OTA or at least a, a local channel. That way, you have that built-in audience here within the state that can just turn on the TV and see it without that ESPN Plus subscription. Yeah, and that um, even though I didn't watch it on there, I know several people um, don't have ESPN Plus membership, so. Uh, it, it, I hope to continue to see more of that and more of these deals in international deals. I'd like to see ESPN show a few more um, matches on their actual stations instead of just ESPN plus. So, but I think it'll come. I think, I think uh, like we've said many a times on here that the USL is, looks like they're doing pretty good right now. So hopefully they can keep that up. Well, with what we talked about last week, how the USL was reporting an eight times viewership in- increase for over last season, maybe that will show ESPN, hey, this is a league that we need to take seriously. This is a league that we need to put on uh, on more mainstream outlets instead of just you know ESPN Plus and then the occasional ESPN2 Deportes match. Mm-hmm. Maybe we do. Maybe this does lead to if the number if the viewership continues to to maintain or increase throughout the rest of the season 
maybe that prompts ESPN to, to make changes and put, you know, put, give the USL a better deal. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Hopefully that's, that's what happens. All right. And the other bit of news that I had was of course, New Mexico United this past week announced that they are teaming up with Rio Grande credit union to uh, what's it called? Cut out for the club. Uh, for those of you that are listening and watching the show, know, of course, United has not played a home match at all this season, and it's looking less and less likely that they will be able to play a home match this season. And so, what they are doing is, uh, you, if I mean, Jacob and I talked about it on the show a few weeks ago, how MLB and other leagues uh, were allowing people to purchase cutouts of themselves, of pictures of themselves that could be it would be in the stands. And so United has jumped on that bandwagon and is doing the same thing. Um, so there are three different tiers. Uh, there are Pete's Peeps for $49. The cutout will become one of Pete's Peeps in the front office, and then one player will sign the cutout and will be given to the fan at the end of the season. The second level is the Practice Squad, $99 plus tax, obviously. The cutout will support the players during training and become the 12th man. Uh, five players will sign the cutout and will be given to the fan at the end of the season. And then, of course, there is the Road Warrior package. Uh, your cutout will be given, will join the Kings of Chaos on the road for a match and support them on their quest for three points. The entire team will sign the cutout and be given to the fan at the end of the season. Um, you know, in a quote from Peter Trevisani, New Mexico United CEO and president, he said, we can't bring the United Familia together at RGCU Field at Isis that was part of the season. You know, I never thought to say it that way. I never did with the new sponsorship of, uh, of the lab, but uh, yeah. I like that. But thanks to our friends at uh, RGCU, we now have an exciting way to help you show your support for the boys in black and yellow. Uh, what do you think about this? Do you think this is a uh, do you think this is a good step from the club? Do you think that maybe you know for a hundred, if you're paying one hundred ninety nine dollars, that maybe you get uh, more than a single match? I I think so, um, but I I think it would be way more exciting for me if we actually were going to have home matches that we could fill, even if it's at um, UNM Soccer Complex, assuming that they film from the opposite side of the stands, um, which I don't know what those would, what those would look like personally um, on camera. But if it was something like that, I would feel more excited about it. Personally, I would like maybe actually buy one. Um, at the moment, I I think it's a great idea uh, from the club, and I'm I know a lot of people are excited about it, and as they should be. I just can't personally get excited about it because uh, I don't. I, I could maybe talk my wife into the Pete's Peep Peep Pete's Peeps one, but uh, that doesn't sound exciting to me to just be at the front office. No offense to to our <laughs> friends at the front office um and having one player sign it is cool and all but uh i just i would want it there i don't know why i would want it there but i would want it at i would want it at matches for sure so um maybe it'll tweak a little they can tweak a little if we actually do play home matches uh they can add another tier in there or throw everybody's every tier into uh the stands at a home match or something i don't i don't know what that would happen there but um all in all it's a great idea uh for for what they're doing for it or why they're doing it and stuff i just um uh 
I just haven't been able to get excited about it on a personal level. Um, but I, I'm sure you have you have one for the whole family, right? On the Road Warriors one. Oh yeah, yeah. We got that for you. Uh, so Wooden Spork in chat says he is uh, says uh, they are buying one. So Wooden Spork, hey, awesome man. Thank thank you so much for doing that for the club. Um, and that's one thing that I think the club has done really well through all this is continued fan engagement. You know whether it's you know doing the the sidewalk merch at five oh five a.m. for the for the, new, for the new kit, whether it's uh, you know all the stuff that they're doing you know, the the current Twitter campaign where they're highlighting, you know, uh, women and, uh, minorities and people of color in and around the club. Uh, I mean, they're doing just such a fantastic job of, uh, of engaging with the community and keeping the excitement level going, uh, through all of this that I really think that once we do get back to playing with supporters in the stands, that there's really not going to be much of a drop off. Um, for those of you that are listening and watching, you know, of these three tiers, which ones are you guys going for? Um, you know, like, like Jacob, like I could probably maybe convince Aaron to, uh, go for the Pete's peeps. Uh, you know, maybe I can get it. If I request, they stick it over in uh, Lucas cash's office. Um, <laughs> maybe he'll like play tic-tac-toe on the back of it or something. But, uh, you know, um, I think it's great. I, I think it's really interesting. And I think it's, uh, I think it'll be different. I think it'll be a good thing for United, for the players and, and the coaches to see, our our you know our our people in the stands wearing right. the black and yellow, um, knowing that you know even though like we can't be there with them, that we are following them, we're with them in spirit, we're, we're supporting them no matter where they're at mm-hmm. and and what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I hope that they I hope the players and coaches know that already, but uh, it definitely would be a visual cue for them when they're training and when they're out on the road. So. Uh, so I, I, again, love the idea. Um, I'm happy that people are are going for it uh, and and participating in it and contributing and whatnot. But um, and they, the way it's looking, man, they're going to need that road support. So as many of you that can do the road warrior package as possible, you know, buy those babies up so that they they can have your support out on the road and have you guys out there and um, have a good time on the road with that. So I mean, could you just imagine if we have enough folks buy those where we've got like four or five hundred of them up at like Widener Field next time or something like that? I mean I'm sure we would have enough Road Warrior packages. I, I I'll put it this way. Uh I was at a Widener Field game last year and um we significantly outnumbered them. It felt like we were definitely more vocal. Uh and I believe that if we had four or five hundred cardboard cutouts over there, um our fans that were present would still be more vocal. Um, so hopefully we can do that and, and, uh, get that little corner where we sat last year, uh, black and yellow for us. I still want to know who that Everton fan was that was wearing the kid up there. I don't know if you ever saw the song on the, on, on the match last year, but there was the one person over in our area that was wearing an Everton kit. And so I really, I really, I wish, I wish I could find out who that was so I can meet them and shake their hand and you know, just maybe get started a supporters group out here for Everton. It'd be you two. That'd be about it. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. You know, and I made the comment at the time. I said, look, I'm not the only Everton supporter in New Mexico. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think that a lot of those smaller clubs, uh, smaller European clubs have like closet supporters that, uh, would come out if there was something like that. Um, I mean, the Tottenham watch group or uh, watch parties that I went to last year before COVID hit, 
there was maybe 10 of us there. Uh, maybe a few, a few more than that on occasion, but, um, still not very many. So, so I imagine an Everton group would be slightly smaller than that. Woodensport is uh, Woodensport. I love you, my friend. Thank you so much. Everton is not a small club. I absolutely agree. Everton is, Everton is not a small club. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't want to get too deep in the premier league get talk here, but, uh, you know, I think we've got the right manager now. We've got the guys on the way out that don't need to be there. We've got, we're linked to some good players. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for the future for Everton, but, uh, you, you mentioned being a Tottenham, uh, a Spurs fan. Are you part of the New Mexico Spurs? Yes. Yeah. I you are. Okay. I, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Tyler recruited me. Well, so, I, I'm a big basketball fan, as we know, and um, I saw Steve Nash, who was one of my favorite basketball players ever growing up, um, be very invested uh, with the Hotspurs. And I, I said, if uh, if they're good enough for him, they're good enough for me. And then less than a year later, I questioned my decision on a nightly basis. <laughs> but <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, he. Tyler and me talked about it and I went ahead and joined. I, I eventually will have all my soccer scarves behind me here. Um, and I do have a, a New Mexico Spurs one, uh, a gorgeous scarf with some mountains on it, uh, and the beautiful white and Navy color. So, um, yeah, it, that doesn't mean that I, uh, don't enjoy watching other teams. I think, uh, the Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, became one of my favorite clubs to watch last year. Um, and other than that, uh, there's a few Chelsea just because of the Christian Pulisic angel angle. Um, so um, I, I'm a fan of soccer and uh, I am already frustrated by being a Tottenham fan. So, uh, but we'll move on because that's, <laughs> it's a, it's another subject that we could talk on for quite a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. So moving right along, I didn't have any other bits of news. I couldn't find anything that was really like relevant to the club. So I, I've, I've got one little bit here. Austin Yearwood actually got team of the week honors uh, from the USL championship website. And I could not be happier about that um, to have a defender. Um, even the week after a five, two loss uh, to have a defender on there. Uh, and get recognized and have it to be Austin. Um, when we have some bigger names back there, I think, uh, I love that. I I've loved Austin since the first match last year. Um, I, th- I thought he was a huge loss when he got hurt last year and then never quite gained his form back when he came back and it kind of lost his position out to Manny and Suggs there on the outside in the back line. And, um, I'm happy that he's back. I'm happy that he's playing well. I'm happy that he got honored. Um, and, and hopefully that's, hopefully it's the first of many more clean sheets and many more, um, awards for our back line back there. Yes. Congratulations to Austin, uh, on the play on the team of the week honors um absolutely definitely earned those uh with his performance saturday against colorado springs switchbacks fc now for those of you that if you didn't watch the match for whatever reason uh by now you should know that new mexico United did defeat colorado springs by a final score of one to nil um basically just an all-around fantastic performance from from united um 
we actually had two goals called back due to offside, which was rather unfortunate. Um, yeah, well, we, we're definitely going to talk about that. But, I mean, yeah, coming off the Phoenix loss, it was imperative that the guys go out and make a statement against Colorado. And despite the scoreline being only 1-0, I feel like they did. I feel like they went out. They played very good defensively. I feel like, you know, our attack was was fluid. We were moving the ball. Um, and we just came out and said, hey, you know, this is going to be our match. And we're just going to take it by the horns. And we're gonna we're gonna walk away with these three points. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. I I had to watch this match kind of chopped up into little bits because we were over in Riadoso at my mom's house for it, and then I just never got a chance on Sunday to rewatch the whole thing in its entirety because when you have a three year old and a one year old and chores to do and stuff like that, it um, you know, sometimes you can't find the time unless you want to stay up super late. And I tried and did not succeed. So, um, but that being said, everything that I saw, uh, did make a statement. Uh, they looked good. I never felt like Colorado, um, really had any long spells of threatening possession. Um, they had a few, few shots that, that uh, were a little scary and a few moments here and there, but they were few and far between, it seemed like. So um, really happy to get that second uh, clean sheet. And, you know, Cody and the back line, again, played really well. Uh, I feel like the offense kind of took a step back from where it was. Um, if we were, in fact, offside on those, on those two goals that were called back, um, which is debatable, um, cause I, I count that if you, if you were offside, then that's, I understand the point of towing, towing, teetering on that line of offside and not, uh, but it's still frustrating when, uh, when, when our player, Kevon used to drive me crazy with it. And I understand that he was trying to push that back line back as far as he could, but, um, he just timed his runs poorly. And I, I, I don't think that these were timed poorly uh, this past week. So, I, But I still feel like the offense could have could have had a few more threatening looks in there. Uh, I, I would have liked the scoreline to be 3-0 like uh, it maybe should have been. But um, I'll take the 1-0. I'll take the clean sheet. I'll take the three points. I'll take staying in first place in Group C. And uh, we'll move on to Salt Lake. Um, or it's not actually in Salt Lake, but Real Monarchs and Utah, and we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I felt like uh, it was it was complete control, much like we've seen uh, the last several times, aside from uh, the Phoenix match, which I think after this week we can definitely kind of look at it as uh, as uh, well. Phoenix is really freaking good when they're on top of their game, and Junior Flemings is on another level right now. Um, so we might not have been able to do much to, to slow him down. Uh, even if you, even when we looked at the tape, it seemed like there was stuff we could do. Uh, sometimes guys are just on fire and he's definitely on fire right now. So I think we can catch, chalk that up as an outlier and hopefully, you know, get a couple uh, results here against Salt Lake or Real Monarchs. I keep doing that uh, against Real Monarchs in the next couple weeks, and 
and uh, or in the next couple of matches and and hopefully show that it was just more of a spoof than anything else. Yeah, at this point, I think it's going to take like Fleming's to like break an ankle or something, and even then, he might still be <laughs> the most dangerous man in the USL. Yeah, he's as far he's as incredible the right threat goes. Um, but yeah, looking at the match, looking at the stats from Saturday's match, um, sure, yes, Colorado did have eleven shots, but they only put three on target, mm-hmm. and I don't think any of those like really threatened Cody at any point, because um, I don't re- recall him actually having to make like a like diving save or anything like that. I think they were all like fairly easy saves for Cody. Um, I feel like there was one that scared me one that, uh, he had, but I, I, uh, I didn't, I don't have it clearly in my mind, but, uh, yeah, I mean, even with that, I mean, yeah, there was nothing that really like put anything like in, in doubt. Mm -hmm. I felt like just, we played well defensively. Sure. They got some shots, but they didn't do any, they didn't do enough to threaten our goal to, to really put pressure on Cody I think at one point like he had gone 30 minutes or, or something without having to face a shot so it, yeah. <clears throat> I mean or, or at least nothing that like he had to like react to really um but I think oh I think you might be you might be talking about the the one header that went just wide maybe that maybe, might be the one yeah. that you're talking about but um yeah I mean it's it was all around solid performance from the club um we, of course, you know Chris Weehan got was credited with uh, with yet another goal, his fifth for the club this season. Um, now there was some debate whether or not Chris actually touched the ball. I I'd like to say that he did. I mean, of course, there are no video angles that dispute that fact. Um, so bees with a nice tap in there from the I think of the cross from uh, of the Amando um, to put mm-hmm. United up in the first half. And then you had United coming back out in the second half with two just absolute tremendous shots um you've got the bike from dev which is i mean that that was honestly one of the best bikes you will ever see it really was um, oh man absolutely beautifully taken and uh back across goal into the far far back netting and there was just no way that uh that the switchbacks keeper was going to get to that uh abraham rodriguez uh, I think he's like 18. I think um, there's just no way that he would have he would have gotten to that. Um, and then the other was, uh, gosh, who was the other one? I think it was. Um, I'm trying to remember who the other goal was. I'm gonna. I'm trying to pull up the highlight here while we're, while we're well. Talking. See, the highlight's not gonna do you any good unless they re-edited it or redid it because uh, okay. I watched it afterwards and they they don't show either um, either of those goals, even the bicycle. It, that bicycle is, like you said, one of the most beautiful bicycle kicks I've ever seen. Um, Devin had one last year, and this one I felt just completely, completely trumped uh, last year's in in just pure beauty. Uh, and they didn't even show it on the uh, on the highlight package from the USL, and I was definitely disappointed. But um, I. I for whatever reason, I'm blanking on the other one as well, but it was a, it, it, that was the one that definitely did not look like it was offside. That one was the clear. Um, I don't know how you can see him being onside or offside. I, I don't know where you got that from, uh, from our angles anyways. Uh, yeah. so I was pretty upset about that. The Devin one, I s- I feel like he could have been. Um, 
I, I think he was. I think I think that was a step or two off. But I mean, you know, I think it was Chris Hurst on the call who made the comment. You know, you could see that he, he, I think Chris Hurst said, uh, "You could see the uh, the AR thinking about not calling it for a second just because how yeah. beautiful the goal was." <laughs> yeah, but and that one was. I mean, it was spectacular. But but the first one. Oh, why can't I? Why can't we? It, it was a bondo, yeah. Okay, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how they saw what they saw there to make them think that, but um, either way, end of the day, one nil. Um, the referees are always a point of contention in the USL. I actually feel like they've been a lot better this year. Um, mm-hmm. In our matches, anyways, I don't know about an overall grand scheme of things, but I feel like there's been way less um, soft penalties given and um, the offside. I feel like we can't judge it completely just because we don't have the angles. So I give them the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, There hasn't been as many soft yellow cards or anything like that. Uh, So I feel like the refereeing has actually been a lot better this year than last year. Um, perfect. No, but, uh, still a lot better. And, and, um, like I've said in every level, in every sport, uh, refereeing is hard. It's a thankless job. Uh, it doesn't pay a whole lot of money. Um, I'm sure even the USL refs, professional refs like that, I'm sure they're not making millions of dollars, uh, doing what they're doing. So, um, I try not to be too hard on them. Uh, but that might just be me. I don't know. No, I, I agree that I mean, refereeing is a thankless job. I do it for my son's uh, soccer club. And so yeah, it's, it's definitely a hard thing. Um, and I will agree, you know, there have, at least in, as far as our matches go, we haven't seen anywhere near as many soft penalties. Um, we haven't seen as many questionable calls. Now there have been some that have been just like, completely atrocious now it, it, my argument for the devon goal is that if you're gonna if you're gonna call devon offside why wasn't dadashov called offside in, in the phoenix match oh, yeah when dadashov was nearly a yard farther offside than devon was according to the angles that that we saw but. yeah yeah i mean the consistency is is really the key there so i um i i, I understand the frustration there um but they're they miss things. Um, I'm sure they do. I, I do remember in the first Colorado Springs match, um, uh, Labissier was got in behind and scored, and they called him offside, and it, it didn't look like he was. So the the referees giveth and the referees taketh away. So um, I feel like we're we're okay right now. We, we might, I, I felt like last year we got screwed several more times, uh, than we got benefited. So I feel like we're at least a little more balanced this year on the give and take side. I definitely think a lot of supporters would agree with, with, would agree with you on that. There were a lot of times last year where it definitely felt as though the calls just would not go our way, no matter what happened. And as unfortunate as it just, you see that at every level of soccer, you know, really. Uh, even in the Premier League, you see issues with consistency and the refereeing and the usage of VAR and things of that nature. My, I guess my request for the USL 
or maybe or maybe it comes down to the home clubs. I don't know, but you know, for for the for the USL, maybe the USL looks at implementing VAR. I know it's not a perfect system. Um, I know that there are issues with it, but I think there are, it does have its benefits as well. As far as the home clubs go, uh, if we were to do, if VAR was to be implemented. You would need the clubs would have to implement, you know, more camera angles. They would have to do, you know, better lines, um, more because you know we you know, we saw down in El Paso. El Paso has had a whole bunch of different camera angles that we don't see elsewhere, like the net cam and some of the other stuff. But you watch that match against Colorado, like it, was, it seemed to be. I could be wrong, but I think it was pretty much just the one wide shot the entire time. Essentially, yeah, I think they had a couple couple secondary shots i think they probably had a, another camera up where they shoot the main angle from but zoomed in a little bit and then i feel like they had a uh, one or two on the sidelines uh like in the corners but i could be mistaken my games there but yeah they i i i understand the argument against var and instant replay and other sports um and part, I, I go back and forth on it. But at the end of the day, I want the call to be as right as possible. And whether it's a basket going in as time expires in basketball or um, if somebody was actually offside or not, you know, I I want that call to be right, um, even if it does take five minutes. Hopefully it never takes that long. But uh, on really, really close ones, um you know, it might take a little bit longer. So I, I want the right call. I, I don't see USL Championship getting VAR anytime soon uh, just because of the sheer number of clubs and the number of cameras that it would take to actually be able to do it right and and stuff like that. I I do think that we haven't seen it really much for us. I, I remember a couple times where it's been questionable, but... Uh, a simple goal line sensor um, should be doable uh, in the USL uh, just to see if if the whole ball crosses the white line um, for any and bounces back out for any reason. Um, I think that should be uh, in there because I feel like we had one one match specifically last year. Uh, I can't remember the exact details, but I know that it definitely seemed like we got the ball across and they said no, and we played on. And I think we ended up drawing or losing that match. Um, and that doesn't even need to be a VR that doesn't require any more cameras or maybe one more, two more cameras, one at each goal. Um, and that's it. It's, it's fairly simple. So I don't know why that's not implemented, um, more in not only, USL, but I feel like um, even the bigger uh, leagues struggle with that sometimes. So uh, a simple a simple sensor across the whole goal would be the solution there. But I don't know. Let me ask you this: one thing that we've seen a couple different times in the matches this season is that despite clubs being able to use five substitutions. We see clubs still only using three, while I believe we've used all five in every single match. Do you think this is something that Troy is kind of taking advantage of, or that these other clubs aren't doing enough usage of it and are and are suffering because of it? 
No, I think I think Troy's done a, a really good job with it. And I, I haven't watched enough clubs um, that only have used three to know if they're suffering from it or if I think they're suffering from it. Um, but speaking on just uh, what I see from Troy, uh, he, he is utilizing that and utilizing the added depth that we have from last year to greatly benefit us, um, to, especially like you look at, you look at that Colorado Springs match. Um, we score right before halftime. Uh, we score first, all things that we saw a lot of last year. Um, but what we saw a lot of last year as well was, you know, it's a one goal match and we give up a goal in the 60th to 70th minute and either have to fight to win it or end up with a draw. Uh, usually we didn't end up with a loss, but every once in a while we did. Um, and I think Troy's done a good job with the subs and, and the new depth that we have on the roster to stop that from happening. Uh, I feel like last year, with last year's club, I could definitely have seen that Colorado um, match turning into a draw. Uh, even even if the basic stats stayed exactly the same, uh, I just see somebody being in the wrong position at the wrong time and giving up a goal for one reason or another. So I, I do feel like the five subs has helped us and, and the added depth has helped us and, and Troy's done a good job at doing like for like um, subs instead of, I remember in that Phoenix, that second Phoenix match last year, he used, you know, he just, I he took off Bruce and put in another uh, defender and did all this weird stuff. And it ended up not working. They came back and tied it up on us. So um, I feel like he's gotten a little bit smarter about that and, and being able to, manage that much better and i don't know if that's if it would be the same if we just had three subs uh but he's definitely used the five subs to his advantage yeah i agree i think clubs that aren't utilizing all five are kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because if we're bringing up five guys with the amount of pace that we have with the amount of uh attacker you know guys that can get in on box and make uh make runs and you know look dangerous i think it's absolutely putting us in more of an advantageous spot than it is others mm-hmm. um and yeah he said, I, I think maybe troy is you know he's figured out exactly who to rotate given you know i mean honestly think about it if we had five subs last year imagine what would have happened in some of those matches where like we, we were talking about hey this guy looks tired this person looks tired. I wish we'd get him off and you know, get some fresh legs on there, but we've already used our subs, you know? I mean, but I, I think this I think this style of play that we have with five subs, it absolutely benefits us compared to some other clubs. I feel like, though, if we had last year's club and we still had five subs, that Troy would have struggled to bring people in that he trusted um, and, and bring people in... As, as at the caliber that we have coming off the, off the bench now. I mean, he brought in Estrada, um, parks. I had it up here a minute ago. He brought in Estrada parks, Najem, Muhammad and Williams. Parks wasn't on the team. Najem wasn't on the team. Muhammad was a mostly a starter last year. 
and Estrada and Williams um, while on the team last year and coming in as subs, uh, they, you know, Estrada and Williams were the last two to come into the match this past week. So um, I feel like the depth is helping us equally, if not more so than the five subs, because last year I don't think we would have had five subs that um, we would have felt as good as we do with these guys coming off the bench. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, I completely understand that. Um, and yeah, if you don't have the confidence in guys that you're putting out there, or if you, or if you don't have the guys on the bench that you feel can come in and appropriately assess the situation and play to match potential each and every week, you know, whether they're a starter or a sub, then yeah, that that's a huge, that makes a huge difference and how your squad's going to play and how your outcomes are going to look. Exactly. And I feel like, uh, I, I, I hope, I hope that they do the five subs next year as well. Um, I, I just kind of like it. I've, I've never like, you've been into soccer a little bit more, a little bit longer than I have. And to anybody in the chat, feel free to kind of clue me in as to why this is the case. But I don't understand the three sub rule at all. It's a game where you have more ground to cover than any other sport that I've seen. It's a game that requires 90 minutes of basic nonstop action. Um, And you're expected eight of those guys, eight of your 11, well, we'll say seven of the 10 field players to go for 90 minutes plus stoppage time and have a 15 minute break in between. I just feel like that. I I've never understood that. So to have five subs instead, um, I just feel like you're getting better, better quality of play and just a better product on the field. And I don't know why you would want to change that. And I, I don't see a competitive reason why you would want to change that. Uh, other than it's oh it's always been that way all the big leagues do it that way um we've played that way since we were five um i don't i don't like that argument in baseball i don't like it in any other sport of oh it's always been that way so why change it uh if you get a better on-field product um with five subs instead of three why 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 not do that now I could be completely missing the boat on something, but um, that's my opinion. And I hope that it's, it's at least, even if you disagree, you can at least see why I think that way. Well, I mean, really to understand the substitutes, you have to go back and, and look at the history of it. Um, substitutes were not really introduced into the game until the mid 60s. So substitutes in general are still a very new thing to the sport. Um, and at that time, sub, they were only allowed one substitute. And so I think, it, I think it was, yeah, I think it was increased to to from one to three. Um, and that was only for that one was only as a result of an injury. So it wasn't like you could just say, okay, he's tired. We're going to take him out. They had, to, it had to be a, an, an injury. And so that was the that that rule remained in place for like two different uh, for two seasons, and then um, they 
ultimately decided on three um, later on. Uh, let's see. Three, let's see. The, um, began with allowing two outfield substitutes in the match day squad, as well as a goalkeeper, which was introduced in, with the Premier League in 1992. So even the introduction of three is not um, not all that old. Like it's a very con- very new thing. So um, it's I, I think they I think they figured out that three might just be like a a, a good number because you don't want to because maybe it's because you're bringing on five is could almost be seen as a, a, an entire tactical shift from one. What's the problem with that though? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I mean, <laughs> like, I if I I want to see it. I want to see some club do it while there's still five subs, uh, whether it's us or in the USL or MLS or wherever. But I would love to see them just make four changes at halftime and just completely change exactly like like for San Jose who plays man marking most of the time to just make four changes at halftime and and change it up completely and just throw their opponent off completely like i don't understand why that would be a problem um to the purists that are out there um maybe you can explain to me why uh that's not the case but i I feel like this is a good exercise for all sports to do to have somebody that has never really been a fan to learn the game for a year or two and then say why is this rule a rule um instead of having everybody that's been watching it their whole life and just doesn't want change. Uh, maybe that's a thought. I, I need to find some people that aren't baseball fans and teach them baseball and see if there's some things that they would change there. Try teaching someone football. Baseball, at least, you can you can kind of explain it. But when you're trying to explain stuff like offside and neutral zone and holding and pass interference to somebody that doesn't know football, like that's, that's tough. tough. So I asked my wife this question because she's not a huge sports fan. She'll watch sports with me and stuff, but she's not like, uh, uh, she doesn't know all the rules to every sport. I don't think she knows all the rules to any sport, but I asked her what sport did she think the hardest was to learn? And, um, she did say football, uh, which I thought, I I don't know why, but I, Maybe it's just because I always think of football as, you know, something that everybody watches in America or most people watch in America, that it would be a little more widely known, some of the rules. But um, apparently you're right. Apparently it's it's American football is one of the harder ones for people to comprehend. And I, I didn't see that coming, but uh, maybe I'm just because baseball to me is is stranger um, than any other sport because of how you score the points and um, how you can make an out and the different ways you can do all this stuff. But I, I don't know. I'd... Several things in several sports need to change. And I do believe that five subs needs to stay. All right. You guys heard it right there. Jacob is definitely pro five subs. Uh, I found if you're listening, you have Jacob's endorsement to, to maintain it. Um, so we'll see what IFAB does with the, with your suggestion there. Good. Uh, before we move off of our recap, I do want to ask you one final question. Who is your man of the match? You know, without being able like having to watch it in different, having to watch it so choppy and, and not being able to get a good flow. Um, it was hard for me to try to come up with somebody. 
I, I feel like man of the match too easily just goes to whoever scored the goal. Um, I feel like in this one, uh, the USL gave the man of the match to Chris Weehan. And if Chris Weehan didn't touch it and Mor- it gets credited to Moreno, then I feel like Moreno would have been the man of the match. So um, I try not to do that. And because of that, I, I don't think it was his best game that we've seen. But I still, man, Tanari just keeps doing things that impress me and keeps doing the little things and might not have contributed directly to the... Actually, no, he did, because he's the one that stole the ball and got it to Moreno on the wing and then started that whole process where we did score. So so now that I remember that again, I'm definitely giving it to Tanari and um, just all the little things that he does there in the middle of the field to to mess with to mess with the offense from Colorado Springs and and to spring our offense he just he does it on both ends and I, I I'm still just super impressed with him I kind of waffle a little bit on mine I went back and forth and I I ultimately settled on Kalen Ryden uh, I feel like Caden had a very strong game uh, statistically he was one of, he was had, he had a very good day I think it was um let me see. I think we had it. I think I had it down as uh, three clearances, two interceptions, and he just played absolutely lights out defensively. Um, so I had Kalen Ryden as mine. Um, he definitely had some physicality that he showed off there, especially towards the end, and he was able to you know match the switchbacks attackers pay, uh, step for step, um, you know from from start to finish. And so I felt like Caden to me was uh, was my man in a match. Um, and I think, you know, the longer, the more that those guys at the back play together, the better they're going to be. And you mentioned earlier, you know, second clean shoot of the season. Uh, I went back and fun fact, uh, my uh, fact of the night after the match the other day was in a full season last year, United had all of four clean sheets. Mm -hmm. We've now played seven matches this season. We have two clean sheets already. So I think that in itself just goes to show we have a much improved defensive, uh, unit, uh, you know, bringing in guys like, like Kalen, uh, has really solidified that back and made it um, a unit that's going to be tough to score against. Yeah, and what's what's interesting is, you know, we brought in Kalen, we brought in Najim. Um, Muhammad's played back there. He didn't really play for us back there at all last year. Suggs has been out. Schmidt's gone. Tete's been out. It's, it's really kind of crazy how different uh, the back line has been and, you know, had you talked to us at the beginning of the year and said Tete and Schmidt were both going to miss um, all the games after the restart, essentially. Tete played in one, uh, or started one, and then got uh, subbed in on another. Uh, but other than that, they've been gone. Um, Manny's no longer with the team. Suggs missed two or three games. Um, and for us to have two clean sheets, like you said, compared to just four of them all of last year, um I think you have to look at Kalen and even if he's had some moments where I haven't been um, as impressed as, as I have in other moments and he's had some times when I'm just like, Ooh, what was that? Um, You still have to give credit for him to be back there, to be in the center, uh, to be the only real change that we've had. Well, to be the main change that we've had as far as from another club or not with the team last year, you really have to look at him and, and give him a ton of credit for, melding that back line or molding that back line into what it is right now uh, with spare parts and, and people playing out of position and uh, people that had you asked the fans anyways, would have thought would have been starters for sure being out. Um, 
I I am going to point out that uh, both of our clean sheets have come after Padilla has been gone, which, uh, again, I love Padilla. I, I love what he did offensively. I don't think his defense was that good. Um, and I'm sure that people will rip me a new one right now because I know that it's I know that it's not all him. Um, I know that he isn't the only reason why we have, or him being gone isn't the only reason why we have two clean sheets. But um, I just wanted to throw a connection out there because I do feel like Yearwood has played better than him on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and that was basically the switch that we made um, when Manny left was Yearwood basically is like, okay, you're going to be, you're going to be out there on a wing no matter what now, because we don't have a lot of wing defenders left. <laughs> so I feel like that. And Yearwood has a team of the week with USL um, to, to kind of prove my point there. So I definitely feel like the defense is, has been better. I, I do kind of look at the opponents that we got the clean sheets against and think, ah, yeah, it's Colorado Springs who's been playing terrible since we played them since the restart, really. And it's Oklahoma City who has also been pretty terrible since the restart. But at the same time, uh, a clean sheet is a clean sheet. And we played some terrible teams last year and still only ended up with four clean sheets. So um, the point still stands. Yeah, I mean, this against this group, uh, clean sheets, you know, we thought were going to be hard to come by, and we've got two already. So, uh, I guess one was uh, Colorado, and the other was what, El Paso, I think. Not El, yeah, El Paso. And uh, oh, you're muted there. Oklahoma City, sorry. Oklahoma City, okay, yeah. But Oklahoma City, I mean, they're not a, a terrible club by any means. but They've been playing um, pretty bad since the restart, but... I, yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, it's... There's it's, a lot of clubs that have not been playing good since the restart. That's Speaking true. of which... Real Monarchs SLC have not been playing well at all this season. We have a, and before we jump into it, we have a very early scoreline prediction from uh, Wooden Spork, who says his score prediction, his score prediction is going to be 420 to 69. So thank you so much for that, Wooden Spork. Uh, that's a fantastic scoreline prediction there. And he did say uh, in response to your Manny Padilla comment, F Manny Padilla. So yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that has more to do with uh, Manny's off the field exploits um than his on the field um contributions but um wooden spork will uh let his his thoughts uh be his thoughts there except for for a very clear very clear feelings on manny padilla as a person i'm assuming so um yeah i think this the salt lake club man they just they just can't seem to get going i i thought here um not last week when they played uh um, El Paso, but the week before, I believe they played Colorado and looked good, got the win, uh, came back from behind, got the W there. And I thought, okay, that was a, that was a draw. Was it? No, they, they beat them at one point. Yeah. They beat them the last match before El Paso. And then they did, they had the lead in the match before that. And Colorado Springs came back and drew late against them. So, uh, that's right. Ten man Colorado Springs. Yeah. So I thought maybe, you know, the on when they played the switchbacks on the first, maybe they had started to maybe turn things around, do something different. Um, and then they just looked bad against El Paso. Um, yeah. And that right now they are sitting on, <clears throat> excuse me, um, six points. 
No, four points. Four wow. points. Four Worse points. than I thought. Uh, four points through five matches. They're sitting in third place uh, in the group. Colorado Springs is behind them with four points as well through six matches. Um, El Paso in beating Real Monarchs kept pace with us. Uh, they have 11 points through seven matches, and we, of course, are on 13 points through seven matches. So we still have our, our two-point lead there at the top. Um, we already talked about the schedule coming up. A lot of clubs in our group um, coming up on the schedule. We only have one more against somebody that's outside of the group. Uh, but these two cl- these two games against Real Monarchs could go a long way um, in, in – um, either Monarchs kind of fighting to make that second spot or us winning the, winning the group. Um, you know, if they get two points or two victories from us, heaven forbid, you know, they're sitting on, uh, 10 points, only three points back with two matches in hand. Um, that could be, could be a bad situation. Now it's not going to happen that way because we're going to get a result at least in one of these matches. I'm almost positive, but, um, they are very important coming up. And even though it looks like it's a two man race at the top there with those two matches in hand, um, the Monarchs can, can do something surprising, uh, if they catch fire. They, they would definitely have to catch fire just like they did last season. They obviously didn't start well last season either. And then of course went on a run towards the end, all the way to the USL championship. Um, and you mentioned, you know, they have been struggling. They do sit nine points behind us currently. And yeah, two matches right here within three days could go a long way for either club. Uh, if United is able to pick up, you know, points here, then obviously our lead extends and it puts, uh, depending the exact, the exact nature of the outcome, you know, if we do sweep Monarchs in this week's series, then I mean, Monarchs are looking, are basically at the bottom looking up. And they, they would have to basically run the table from there on out because, I mean, for United, United has 27 point, possible points remaining, and Real has 33. So two losses here, that basically puts, I mean, that puts you know, Real, what, 15 points behind us? If, if they were to lose both these matches and at that point, then it's, you know, it's 27 remaining points and 22. Yeah. Uh, or 21. And so like, that's not a, a very wide gap to try to make up those points. And yeah, I think too, I mean, we still have, you know, uh, two more with El Paso, two more with Colorado all coming up after the fact. So, I mean, yeah, it just losses here for, for Real is going to be devastating for them. I think looking at the way that they played so far this season, looking at where they are, their results are to me, and from what I, from what I've seen, the results are direct, directly impacted by the losses they suffered in the offseason. Um, Douglas Martinez is gone. Michael Chang is gone. Uh, I had another one listed earlier. Kalen Ryden, of course, is gone. Uh, you know, you know. Of course, we all know Kalen is with us now. So they've they've had some significant losses. I mean, Michael Chang was one of their top scorers last season. Uh, Douglas Martinez was another serious scoring threat that they have that they had I should say I mean they do still have Jack Blake Jack Blake did have 11 goals last season he's already at and one of which was against us um but as a whole this Real squad is not performing as well as they need to uh I think last year Noah Powder was a guy that we looked at possibly being a uh, an issue for United there on the back line for Real um 
but it he never really came to be as big of an issue as we thought. And he's come out and said like they just they have to get in the same mindset that they were in last year, and that they can go on a run if that happens. Um, honestly, I look at it. I see I see the way that they're playing. I see the way they the way we've been playing, and I just don't see Real, you know, getting two wins against us. I I at very worst I see them maybe getting one, but I think even that's pushing it. I think it's more likely that we'll get a win and a draw out of these two matches just because of the fact that, you know, we've figured out ways to unlock multiple different players Mm. and Real is just struggling to score. Yeah. They just really haven't, haven't been there this year. And, and they, with these MLS two teams, you just, and I know uh, Real Monarchs fans who, claim back and forth that they're not an MLS two team um, or, or say that they're different than the other MLS two teams. And, and that may be the case, but the point still stands that your roster turns over more than uh, an independent club. And when you look at their roster from last year compared to this year, it is drastically different. And the results kind of show that Um, they have back in March, they lost one nil to uh, San Antonio. They lost one nil to San Diego they lost two one, or they won two to one against um, Colorado Springs. They did draw three three, which was a high scoring affair. But then they lost one nil to El Paso. So that's three shutouts through five matches um, so far this year. And that you can look at Douglas Martinez and Michael Chang not being there and almost draw a direct line um, to to those two things and. And it's it's going to be really hard for them when you look at the fact that they already have they've been shut out three times. We already have two shutouts. I am predicting that one of these, if not both of them, are going to be shutouts on their part. I I, I just don't see where the offense is going to come from. Um, and as far as their defense, um, it I mean three one nil matches. You know that's. I, I can't pin that on the defense. You, They only gave up one goal. Um, in this league in particular, if your offense can't put up one goal in a match, um, it's going to be really, really tough for you to get anywhere in this league. So I, I feel like their their offense is definitely what's keeping them back. And with the way our defense is playing, like you said, I definitely, definitely see um, two results in these matches, whether they're, a win and a draw, two wins, uh, hopefully not two draws, but um, I, I don't see a loss coming in, in these two games whatsoever. So I, I I agree with you completely there. I I try to be the contrarian every once in a while here um, and, and come up with reasons why um, that are different than yours. Uh, sometimes I believe them, sometimes I don't, but I like to give different opinions every once in a while. And I just, I can't do it for this one. I just, I just can't. The, they look terrible and we look good. Even, um, even after that Phoenix shellacking here a while back, it's just, um, we look a lot better than them this year. And, and even if you look at last year, we put up five on them last year. Um, we also gave up five, I believe, in the other match, but uh, we're not counting that one. So, uh, According to our Wikipedia page, we won the first one 5-1, and then the second one we lost 1-0. I don't 
Was it not entirely sure that that's, I'm not entirely sure that that's accurate, but I know we won five one, but yeah. I don't remember losing one nil. I thought I thought it was worse than that, but uh, I'll I'll double check that. But that, that's what our Wikipedia page says. Well, Wikipedia is never wrong, so right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, who I, for you on is there? Well, I say typically I say who, but is there anyone on this Real squad that you think that United needs to key in on? In order to help, you know, preserve a victory on on in either of these two matches. So I looked it up. It was one nil, um, which I didn't expect. I didn't realize. But um, as far as your question goes, Jack Blake is always going to be a threat. Um, he's kind of their midfield creator, a scorer, um, a little bit of everything there. And then you mentioned it earlier, Noah Powder. Um, I, he he, from what I've seen of him this year, he does have some some skill, especially from taking some shots outside of the box that we do tend to give up every once in a while because for whatever reason we get uh, lackadaisical back there and like to give him those shots. I think that's more of a tactic to protect the box a little bit more, but either way, we do give up shots from the outside every once in a while and they do... A, we are susceptible from scoring in that. Uh, as far as my normal process of, or my normal fear when we go into a match is set pieces. I don't feel like their set pieces scare me at all. So uh, I'll say Blake and Powder. Um, I want to see if Ochoa's ends up in the net because he has not been playing um, this year from that, from the few matches that I have seen glimpses of, I don't feel like I've seen him in the net. Um, so I, I, he's, he's a very, very talented kid. Now we did put up five goals on him last year. So I, he's, it's not like I see his name in there and start shaking in my boots, but, um, he's definitely a name that if he gets hot and makes a couple key stops that it, it could be a problem, but, I honestly don't think we'll see him out there at all. So what about you? I I know you mentioned Powder earlier. You mentioned Blake earlier, um, and you mentioned their losses. And honestly, I was going through their roster earlier, and other than Powder and Blake, I didn't recognize uh, very many of the names there. So is there somebody that I'm missing that that you are, are needing or wanting us to key in on, or did I pretty much hit the nail on the head? Well, I mean, Powder and Blake obviously are, are players that we're going to have to watch. Um, Blake can cause some issues for United. But for me, and this might be a little bit, a bit of a shock, I'm going to actually pick out Kyle Coffey, which is okay. a name that might be familiar to some folks that are listening. He is an Albuquerque native, went to uh, University of Washington where he played for the Huskies. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to research uh, Kyle to see if he played or if he attended high school here Uh or not, but um, so he was drafted by RSL in the 2019 Super Draft, 41st overall, and then signed with the Monarchs last February. Um, he did put up, I believe it was five goals last season uh, for the club, and he's already got one this year. Um, young guy, he's, he is only 24, but I think that he, with obviously he's probably he's most likely seeing increased playing time. And I'm going to pull that up here just to double check, um, see where his playing time is at uh, so far this season. 
but I feel like Kyle is someone that he's got 380 minutes through five matches. So uh, he's definitely getting a lot more playing time than he did last season, uh, at least in terms of uh, minutes per, per match, I should say. Uh, and he's getting better shots. I mean, he's got two shots, one goal. Um, and so I think that he's someone that could be an issue for United. Now, with as young as he is, I think he's going to be a little bit a little bit inexperienced. And guys like Kalen and Salih and the other guys you know, in the back are going to be most likely going to be able to deal with him. But he is someone that that could potentially you know get some shots and you know maybe make a maybe force a, a save or two out of Cody. Yeah, I like that name. Um, he. He had a few plays in that El Paso match that somewhat caught my eye, um, so I feel like that's that is a that is somebody that's not a, a well known name or as well known of a name that could be a problem for for some of our guys. So, so I do like that choice. Um, I, it was hard. It's hard to pick somebody that really scares you though from this match because uh, they their offense has just been atrocious. So. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if, if one of those players that we mentioned gets on the score sheet. Um, I would kind of be surprised if somebody other than those three got on the score sheet, but uh, we'll just have to see what happens. What do you think as a as a prediction for, we'll say, tomorrow night, and then we'll, we'll do tomorrow night, and then we'll do uh, Saturday night after we both give ours for tomorrow night? Um, tomorrow night is, it is short rest for both clubs. United definitely has a lot of guys that are more familiar with, with this aspect of, of it after playing in the U S open cup last season. Oh, sorry. I just, that just reminded me U S open cup for this season has been canceled. Um, officially canceled. Yeah. So I completely slipped my mind until we just brought that up. Um, but, uh, so I think, I think that's going to play a factor into it. Um, United does have a lot of rotation. Uh, Troy has been doing, I think, I think a fantastic job of rotating guys in and out making sure we're getting enough rest and, you know, with the addition of guys like parks and uh, Moreno that dev doesn't have to be out there 90 minutes a match every single week. And, and so I think tomorrow night is going to be two nil to United. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's pretty close. I, I'm actually going to go three uh, nil. Um, no, no. I'll go one nil uh, for this one, just because I, I feel like we might see um, a slightly different lineup. We might see um, uh, maybe Sammy get a start up top there. He wasn't on the team sheet last year or last week, so I don't know if maybe that was him was coach holding him back for this one, um, or if there was an injury or something there going on. But uh, I, I haven't heard about an injury, so I'm gonna assume he's healthy. I'm going to assume he was just left off just for the sake of it. And I think he might get the start and, and nothing against Sammy. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to see what the young man does in the league, but um, I feel like we might not be pushing as hard um, tomorrow as we might on Saturday. So, so I'm going to go one nail. I'm going to keep um, the Monarchs streak of one nail losses going um, and, and say that, say that we get, we get a, another clean sheet, another, uh, I think a defender gets man of the match. Um, I think we see a little bit uh, more of a defensive strategy there, uh, especially if we can get an early goal like we like to do. Um, and especially with their lack of scoring 
ability. Um, I think we, we get on the score sheet and we kind of coast from there. So I'll go one nil for, for tomorrow's match. And then uh, Saturday, what are you thinking? Uh, Saturday, I think it's kind of hard not having seen uh, any matches with Salt or Real Monarchs right. yet um, to make a prediction for not just one, but two matches <laughs> at, <laughs> at the same time, both of them at the same place, uh, both of them three days apart. So, um, honestly, I think I'm just going to go 2-1 United on Saturday. Saturday, I. I think this is the three three nail one. I think we okay. we put our normal guys in there, fully rested, um, and we we go for it and we and we just kind of throttle them there. Now, if I'm wrong about tomorrow, if we go full bore tomorrow, um, then just flip flop those two, and I'll say three nail tomorrow <laughs> and and one nail Saturday. But um, I think we come away with two points. I don't think we give up a goal. All right. I think we come away with two victories, six points. Uh, and I don't think we give up a goal um, in either match uh, just because I, it's the confidence that I have in our defense. Um, I, I know that we gave up five to Phoenix and I know that uh, we just shut out Colorado Springs, who isn't a world beater. But at the moment, Colorado Springs is playing just as good or just as bad, I should say, uh, as the Monarchs. So... I, I don't see why we wouldn't keep a, a streak up of, I, I feel like we'll get four shutouts in a row against non Phoenix teams um, after this week is all said and done. And, and uh, I think it'll be coming out of this, coming out of this weekend, we will be sitting there looking pretty, pretty good at the top of the table um, to at least make the playoffs. Because honestly, if we, beat color or if we beat them twice this week monarchs are almost done like it would take an, a crazy amount of wins for them to get back into it and i just don't see that happening so if we can get six points out of these two matches you know it basically becomes us in el paso and we can coast the rest of the way yeah, Salt Lake uh, Real Monarchs would have uh, nine matches remaining after this week, and two more of those would be, of course, be against us. So, um, yeah, they would have they would have twenty seven possible points remaining from those final nine matches. So, yeah, if they don't get results this weekend, their season is looking very, very bleak. And I mean, realistically, they could possibly be eliminated. I would say by September twelfth possibly depending on, yeah. on how the results go for them. So uh, that's entirely, uh, that's one thing that's sitting out there. Um, you mentioned Sammy. Sammy was not listed as unavailable for this week on the match notes that uh, we got earlier from the club. So Sammy should be available for at least one, if not both of the matches. And I did look up Kyle coffee. He pl- did not play locally. He played at Syracuse high school. Hmm. So, yeah. So even though he was born here, native of, of Albuquerque, he does not, uh, did not play here in town. So, um, sorry, kid. I, I know we picked you as a man to watch, but I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna do anything. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think we're in for an exciting week of of New Mexico United soccer, and and hopefully, you know, we can come in in good spirits on uh, on the show next week and have six points and a big cushion at the top, and hopefully El Paso can get Delta loss and. And uh, we'll be 
will be uh, flying high there at the top of the of Group C, which we've been on uh, basically since we beat El Paso the second or the when we beat El Paso, uh, not the draw against El Paso, but when we beat El Paso, we've been, been on the top of the table since then, and hopefully we can keep keep that up. But um, I think that's about all I got. Seth, you got anything you want to add? Any little tidbits there? Any last second things you want to ambush me with? <laughs> uh, no, nothing to ambush you with, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be inter- it's gonna be fun to watch these two matches coming up. Uh, a little bit of a different time uh, setting for these. Of course, tomorrow night and Saturday night's match are both set for 8 p.m. Mountain kick time kickoffs. Uh, so a little bit different um, for us here Um yeah, so we're, we'll be we'll be watching, uh, and we'll I don't know we might try to do something after one of the matches this week. I don't know. I mean, I, I mentioned you know my wife got a new job, so uh, might not be able to get on, but we'll see. Um, we're gonna be watching United. We'll be back. We're gonna have uh, recaps. Where Jacob will have one over on our site tomorrow night after the match. I'll have a preview up in the morning, and then we'll do the same thing on Saturday. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Um... Tune in again next week as we talk about uh, the six points that we got from the Monarchs and and look ahead to, I believe it's El Paso after that. So um, it, it's it we're it, Colorado it, and then El Paso. Is it Colorado then El Paso? Okay. It feels like we just started this year. Um, it feels like uh, the season is a baby still, but uh, when you start looking at it, there's there's not a whole lot of matches left. We're almost halfway through the season, and um, it's going to be exciting to see the home stretch here. So tune again to us next week. We'll be here on Twitch again, um, more often or more likely than not. Uh, thank you. Wooden spork for the comments there and, and interacting with us. And, uh, hopefully we can get some more interaction going there. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, we do have an Instagram that is currently, um, dormant for now, but, uh, Somos Inos News on Facebook, uh, Somos Inos News on Twitter, Suncast on Twitter. You can ta- contact me and Seth directly. You can, the easiest way for me is probably Facebook. The easiest way for Seth is probably Twitter. So if you're a Twitter guy, Seth, if you're a Facebook guy, reach out to me. Or you can email us at Seth at DadVenturesMedia.com and Jacob at DadVenturesMedia.com. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, rate and review on iTunes. That always helps us. Um, And other than that, uh, stay safe out there. Let's bring home six points this week and uh, somos unidos. listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.